welcome to the Living Sport Podcast, where we connect you to young professionals and sport business experts from around the world. I'm Alicia Marinelli, your host, and I'm inviting you to join us as we head to Los Angeles, California, to learn about the industry's highly touted property and a true sports and entertainment destination, SoFi Stadium. Our guest today is Mike Lyman, premium sales consultant at the Los Angeles Chargers, SoFi Stadium, and Entertainment District at Legends. Mike is proof that with a bit of hard work and drive, a small town kid with large aspirations can make anything happen. You will hear just how Mike sets his mind and chases success. We'll chat about working for legends at SoFi Stadium, how to muster up the courage to move away from home, the importance of having a mentor, and what opportunities are available for you worldwide at Legends. Before we begin, I want to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars. Also, follow us on social at I Am Living Sport. So Mike, you work at SoFi Stadium as a part of Legends. It's a dream of most of our listeners to have a gig like yours. What's it like? It's amazing, honestly. Like it's sort of breathtaking. You know, never would I have thought, you know, when I started this journey of a career in sports, would I have thought I'd be on the biggest project really in the history of the world from a sporting and entertainment side, right? So it's been a dream come true. Even three, four years ago, when I was sort of starting my career, I always knew that I wanted to be a part of this. And I try to make as many strides and connections as possible to ultimately, you know, get to that goal. And, and I have. So uh, it's been an amazing time. Really cool to see something, you know, from day one, when you get on employment from literally just a dirt field and really build into this spectacular $5 billion stadium, that's really going to revolutionize all sporting and entertainment. So you said something there, you knew SoFi was being built years in advance and you took that knowledge and kind of looked at the path it would take to get there. Explain your thought process because that is something young professionals really should be thinking about. Yeah, definitely. I, I think one of the biggest things is always having an idea where you want to go. And one of my mentors always told me, like always focus on the job at hand and everything else will take care of itself on the back end. I think sometimes young people, even like myself, you get caught up in that next step and that next step. And then your current job goes to the wayside, which ultimately at the end of the day, if you're not doing your current job, you're not getting the next one. So I would say probably the biggest thing that I always tell people is, you know, have your goals set, but at the same time, continue to perform. And then you have more reasons on why you should be promoted or transferred or be a part of that next journey. But ultimately, I would say it comes down to focusing on your current job and then building those connections along the way that will ultimately get you there. So for you specifically, you're a part of Legends. Um, so did you have this goal in mind once Legends had the SoFi deal? Tell us about that. How did how was SoFi in your mind? Yeah, I mean, SoFi has really been in my mind. Once I became a part of Legends in early 2016, there was always rumblings that we were going to be working on this project as well as Las Vegas. And for me, I was like, I'm not, there was always a dream of mine to move to LA and just work out in LA. It wasn't even for an NFL team just to move into, to LA. So once I knew that was a possibility, you know, I really just tried to, again, just back up why I should be a part of that project. And it ultimately came down to, you know, being a good teammate, learning from other individuals that are higher above me and, 
whether it was sponsorships or premium suiting uh, and stuff like that. And that's probably been probably the biggest piece that I want to say is like, you know, you never know what's going to come around the corner. Obviously, always keep your ears open and eyes open. But again, continue to do your current job and then build those relationships and it'll take you a long way. So did you drop any hints along the process, like tell management, hey, I'm looking, I'm interested in this, right? This project out in LA. No, honestly, yeah. So since it was all internal through Legends, I honestly brought it up from the moment I started hearing rumblings. And I think I was only employed with Legends at that time for three or four months. So they were just like, all right, like you don't even have your feet wet yet. But I told them, I was like, I want to be on that project. And I'm going to show you I should be on that project. So again, it was just one of those things, I think, communication and being open with your managers. And the cool part about Legends is that we're, we have our hands in so many different projects and industries in general that, you know, if you want to get to a certain place or you want to go somewhere, or even if you want to grow your career fast, you know, we have the ability to do so because we have so many projects compared to you're within a singular vertical with one team, you're always going to have that manager that's ahead of you. And that's the one thing that I like about being on the consulting side compared to the team side. So what is Legends for those listeners out there that may not be so familiar with it? Yeah, so Legends is a company. Uh, it was created by Jerry Jones, as well as the Steinbrenner family with the New York Yankees. Both of them were building brand new stadiums. They really found a niche in the market. They thought that there could be a higher premium experience. First, it started out on the hospitality side. So your food and beverage experience when you come out to games and events, they really found a niche in that, as well as premium sales. So it was never really a consulting company that really came in and helped back up these bigger projects. So we were able to start with that. Uh, we brought on Chad Estes. He was uh, over at the Cleveland Cavaliers and he really spearheaded Legends Global Sales on that side. So we continue to grow as a company. We have a 360 degree approach. We take care of hospitality, global sales, global planning, which is basically we help cities as well as teams that are looking to build a new arena or something. Like look at everything from the economics behind it to how much they should charge to everything in between, as well as we just build out a new sector in our technology division where we actually help current arenas sort of get updated and be outfitted to be more technologically advanced. Okay, great. Now we're talking about sports facilities, but you guys also signed with the Olympics, right? Coming to LA. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's one of our newer, bigger projects. So we're going to help the Olympics actually with pretty much all their partnership deals for the 28 Olympics, as well as some of them moving forward. So we're really excited about that. Obviously, the Olympics being probably the biggest event in all sports and entertainment really helps put our name on the map uh, moving forward. So we're really excited about that opportunity. And obviously, our goal is to crush that and then continue to get some of these bigger opportunities moving forward. That's amazing. That's definitely a project I would like to be on the Olympics, man. I can't that, wait. That's a goal of mine too. So <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, hope to talk to you then as well, for sure. So, okay. We're talking about SoFi Stadium through Legends. Walk us through some of the newest and most talked about innovative features that were put into SoFi. Yeah. So SoFi itself, really one of the most technologically advanced stadiums in the world really from your game day experience, from the time that before you even get to the stadium, you know, directions, how to get to your current parking lot, 
with traffic, current traffic conditions to your entrance to your food ordering process as well. Really, really cool stuff that we have going on. And then we also have the biggest video board in the world, dual-sided, 120 yards long. It uh, goes the full length of the field. Really, it's going to provide our game day experience in unbelievable time. At the end of the day, it's going to be one of those things that when people walk into this building, they're absolutely going to be floored. There hasn't been one person I've taken through from a client standpoint that hasn't walked in and said, I'm not going to do a deal of some sort. Um, it's just one of those things. Once you walk in, it blows your mind and you're like, I need to be here. I, I need to be here every Sunday for a football game. I need to be here for all the concerts. I need to be here for monster trucks or professional bull riding, whatever we have coming through. So people are excited. The videos and the pictures really don't do it justice until you actually walk in and see the magnitude of this. But we're excited to share it with our fans, hopefully soon. So Mike, 120 yards. So that's like the end of the end zone to the opposite end of the end zone. Correct, yeah. Wow. Now back in, I believe, 2009, AT&T Stadium was built. Theirs goes from what, 20 to 20 yard line? Something like that? Yeah, I believe so. 20 to 20 or like 25 to 25, somewhere around there. Like, so yours is so much bigger, not comparing the two, but it is, right? Um, I, I got a chance to see the one um, in AT&T Stadium. So I can't even believe what yours looks like. I saw pictures, of course. And fun fact, I flew to LA this past weekend and the path that the plane takes, you're right on the, the path. I got to see an aerial view of SoFi, which was super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely super cool. I think it's on like, if you're on the right side of the plane, usually. But yeah, when you fly into LA, just look down and you'll see it. You fly over, you can sort of see everything else that we're building out as well, because it's going to be a whole, whole entire district, 300 acre district with food, bars, restaurants, shops, a movie theater, a gym, a hotel, a bunch of apartments and condos and stuff on site as well. So, and then we also have a lake. So um, it really is a city within a city. It's a mini city within Inglewood. That's a tip right there. Sit on the right side of the plane if you're flying into LA and you'll get a really good view of SoFi. I'm telling you, I, I have pictures. I think I posted them on our story on Living Sport because, you know, everybody wants to see this stadium. Some of us don't get the opportunity to do so. I need to get a closer look, but I did see your, your pond there. You said a lake, I think you guys call it. Um, from above, it looks like a pond, right? <laughs> um, but I did see construction. So is your entertainment district, is that still being put up around? Yeah, yeah. So it's put it, It's getting put up as we speak. I would say it'll probably be complete by the end of 21, roughly. Those buildings go up pretty fast from what we've been told. The NFL Network building is pretty much fully built out and it's gonna be unbelievable. So the NFL Network will broadcast 365 days a year from our site with the backdrop of the stadium. And they'll have really cool innovative stuff on game days where you know when you're watching on TV, they'll have like a turf laid out and stuff like that with fans and, and everybody involved. So it's gonna be a really cool thing to see on TV you know, all year round. And this stadium is really gonna be NFL's West Coast headquarters. So here's a question for you. So you're on the Chargers side of things how is it sharing a stadium with another team positive negatives tell us it's fun to be honest it's interesting right so they brought us all on in fall of 2017 we're all in the same office we're all separated by a wall but yeah it's interesting right because you know 
the Rams at first had more success in terms of on the field. They went to the Super Bowl the first year that we were here, right? So it, it was one of those things, you know, selling for the Chargers. You know, you really got to build the value, talk about the brand, talk about the team, talk about the history, talk about the price points as well. And a lot of our fans have actually been able to pick up, right? Because, you know, we're definitely trying to make it one of those things that, you know, you can bring a family of four out to an NFL game. You don't have to worry about breaking the bank, right? So, and, you know, our team's good. We're, we're youthful. We're young. Uh, we have a lot of people for the long haul. So we like our chances moving forward in terms of team success. But yeah, what we're building here in LA is, is for all of Los Angeles. So we're excited to, to share with our fans that have hopped on two years ago, a year ago, or even yesterday. So that's really cool that you guys share an office like right right across the the hallway or you said the wall separate so but is business separate is there any idea sharing or how does that work yeah legally there's no idea sharing um yeah just for legal reasons with the league um, and stuff like that for sure so every about every weekend there's a football game in sofi during the season right yeah yeah 20 weekends straight so pretty cool some of our suite owners are are both teams so they're going to be there 20 straight weekends and then you have each team which will have their own suites as well but yeah 20 straight weekends in the fall you can find football at SoFi. and are you there obviously on chargers game days um how often do you find yourself there during game day whether it's chargers do you ever go to rams games um yeah so right now we're you know we have no fans so none we haven't been able to go in so it stinks but yeah, next year we'll be there on game days. We'll be working. We'll be entertaining clients and suites and club seats and whatever we can get them. But yeah, we're, we're excited. Game days are always a fun time. They're always hectic. They're always a lot of running around, a lot of sweat going up and down, especially with this new stadium. We were over at Dignity Health last year where it's only one level of a stadium. And now we're going to have a five-level stadium. So it's a lot of staircases, I can tell you that, because you're not getting in elevators on game days. I'll tell you what, when I worked at sports stadiums, I would get so many steps on game days, and I worked in minor league baseball too. So, I mean, you're talking about 20,000 steps, 72 nights a year. And man, I was in shape. After, like, I don't work in stadiums anymore. I'm really feeling that. Like, I need that exercise. (laughs) I miss that. It's free exercise and you really don't think about it either. It's one of those things like you don't really have a choice. Like you have to go see your clients or check on people or go to certain meetings and stuff like that. So uh, it's not like you're just on a bike here or, or, or running around. So it's kind of like the perfect exercise because your mind's on something else, right? Your mind's like, okay, I have to go visit this client. Okay. Do I have this, this, this and prepared, or what can I talk to them about? I mean, you know, you're, you don't even know you're going up 50 flights of stairs. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. Let's get into your specific role with legends, the Los Angeles chargers at SoFi stadium and entertainment district. That's your official title there, a premium sales consultant. So what do you do, Mike? Yeah. So, Premium sales consultant for this project pretty much encompasses um, all of our seat licenses. So if you guys don't know what a seat license is, a lot of new stadiums, since they're not no longer being publicly financed, have a seat license concept in it. Ultimately, what that means is that you pay an upfront cost. Sometimes we like to describe it as a security deposit, like on an apartment, right? You pay an upfront cost on the front end. That gives you access and ownership of your seats for the life of the term. 
Uh, most NFL teams are either 20 or 30 years. Ours is 48 years. We believe this building will be along a lot longer than that, but ultimately it gives you rights to your seats. So you pay that upfront cost. So that's my job. My job is to sell these seat licenses. Obviously they vary. We describe it out here, out in LA. It's like beachfront property, right? The closer you get to the 50, the more expensive it's going to be. The more you move inland here off the beach, you know, the less expensive it's going to be in terms of whether it's rent or if you're buying and stuff like that. So my whole job encompasses selling these seat licenses. We have about 70,000 of them. Every seat has a seat license. So really just working with our clients to find out money-wise what's going to be the best for them, put them in a great position, you know, to come out and enjoy games, but also try to curate to them as well. Because I know this stadium like the back of my hand. And even working in Dallas, this stadium is very similar in terms of the layout, same architects that built AT&T Stadium, built this stadium as well, or designed it, I guess you would say. So it's very similar, but knowing the same, like the back of my hand, I can sort of speak to our clients and really get them in the right position so that, you know, when they come in for the first game, they're not really worried about it and they can feel comfortable coming out and they're not worried, even wishing that they would have bought a higher price seat or anything like that as well. So are you the guy that has to go out and find these sales or do you have somebody that's doing that for you and, and you're just the guy that makes the calls? No, yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit of both, right? So we definitely have some leads that are generated for us um, through different promotional contests that we run on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, email sign up, stuff like that. We had all of our season ticket members that we reached out to from, you know, past four years or three years over at, you know, StubHub Center, Dignity Health, it's changed like five times now. And then, you know, also, you know, new business. So just going out into the market, stopping by, you know, manufacturing plant or, you know, some local CPA and lawyers and stuff like that. And just building those connections and really just trying to grow them from there. So when you're a student, a sport management student at Kutztown University, did you know sales was going to be your thing? A hundred percent. It wasn't even close. I love sales. There's a thrill of it. Like it, it's just enjoyable. Like every single time you close a deal, it, it's fun. You sort of get a rush and I like just working with people. I like big numbers. So I always go for big deals. So sort of strive on that, but don't ever want to leave any money on the table. I'm a firm believer in everybody should have some sort of sales experience because I'm sure what you learned in your career can parallel to other things in life besides yeah. selling things for sports stadiums. Um, here's your pitch. Like, why should young kids that sometimes have this negative feel for sales really look into it and consider it as a career in sports? Yeah, I feel like there's always a negative connotation with sales, right? Like, you're, you don't want to be a salesman. Like, you don't want to be a used car salesman. Everybody thinks of that at first. Honestly, I think sales builds your people skills because every single client, every single customer, every single phone call is totally different. You don't know. You may have some guy hang up on you or curse you out. The next guy may be the nicest person in the world, or it may be an old lady that's looking to grab tickets for her grandkids, right? So really being able to adapt on a call-by-call -call basis is, is really cool. Obviously in person as well, your people skills, your nonverbal cues, they're all something that you can utilize in every aspect of life, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends, significant others, so on and so forth. Um, and sales is definitely you know, taught me that. I mean, I think everybody should have sales. And if you don't think you have sales in your job, everybody has sales. It doesn't matter if you're in the marketing department, 
because you're trying to generate sales. So you're trying to think in, in the mind of the buyer, your future customer and stuff like that. So everybody will have sales in some part of their ass, their careers. You just may not notice it, but at the same time, getting sales experience. I got sales experience from, you know, really the time I started, I worked at Hollister in the Berkshire Mall. And that was a very weird experience, but no, I worked at Adidas as well in retail and then continued up through internships and stuff like that. So, but sales is fun. And I think the coolest part about sales is you get in what you put out, right? So, you know, if you're working your butt off every day, you're doing the things right, you may not see the success initially, but on the back end, if you continue to do the right things, be consistent, you know, you will find results. And that's one, that's one quote I always live by is consistency produces results. And I've been taught that ever since I was in middle school. Um, and that's sort of just ingrained in me. Now let's go back to your journey that got you to working at SoFi Stadium right now for Legends. You started at a, as a sport management student, but you started your career in minor league baseball, right? Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, flipping hot dogs. It was, uh, it was great. So yeah, I knew I always wanted to work in sports. My, um, my cousin worked with flyers as well as the Philadelphia soul. So I was, you know, being able to shadow him on game days. And, you know, honestly, my parents let me skip class a couple times when I was in high school to go shadow him. And uh, it, it was a good time. I uh, really knew from a young age, I wanted to be a part of it. Worked in minor league sports, flipping hot dogs, running around in mascot uniforms, doing everything that you see at a minor league baseball team. Was able to work my way up there. Also worked for a minor league hockey team as well during that same time just doing ticket sales and then was able to continue to work my way up through the minor league baseball team while I was in college, as well as worked at Adidas, the Philadelphia Union. And then eventually I got an internship with the Tiger Woods Foundation, which was really, really cool. And probably one of the most impactful internships I had just because I was always told to keep this company legends on my radar when I was looking for jobs. And from that point, I always, and I'm grateful every single day that someone told me that. And it ended out here with uh, working on the biggest stadium in the world. So were you told when you worked at the Tiger Woods Foundation about Legends or did they work with Legends? No, yeah. So I was just told to keep an eye out on them. Legends was about four or five years old at that time. So relatively new. But one of my mentors, he told me, hey, keep an eye on them. I'm hearing rumblings that they're going to do a bunch of like really cool products coming up. And this was 2015 ish, 2015. But then they ended up getting the Atlanta Falcons project, LA, Las Vegas, and a bunch of college projects as well. Amazing. Now you got the Tiger Woods foundation experience after working in minor league sports. Was it the minor league sports that launched you to then get the opportunity with Tiger Woods? I think so. I, I think so. It, it's hard to pinpoint where, you know, I applied on teamwork online, which is a majority of where all the sports jobs are applied on there. And then I guess I got lucky sort of someone picked out my resume. I did an interview and got called back like a week and a half, two weeks later and saying that I got the job. So I was, I was ecstatic. I honestly didn't think I'd be moving to Boston for a couple months to, to live up there, but it, it was a great experience for sure. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation, right? And it all comes together. Exactly.
So yeah. I bring up that I'm huge on minor league sports as a part of the development of young professionals. And a lot of times I hear that people, you know, they want to go big. They want to work for the professional teams. They want to yep. work at SoFi Stadium. They want to work at AT&T Stadium. Um, and they're not really seeing that, hey, you got to just get some experience. You need to get out there, work in front office staffs and, and see the feel for sport. And then you could move to, you know, the larger gig. So um, that's what I was getting at. That minor league was a part of your start of launching your career. And now you're sitting at SoFi Stadium. That is, you know, the biggest arena right now as far as, you know, setting the tone, state-of-the-art facility in sport. Yeah, for sure. And I would definitely suggest that everybody works in minor league sports. You get, it's funny, a lot of people I work with now all started in minor league as well, right? In some capacity, whether it's flipping hot dogs, ticket sales, game day interns, stuff like that. It's, it's a grind. It's a minor league sports is the grind of the industry and some of the top executives, you know, in our industry have come from minor league sports. You, you sort of get respect for everything in terms of what you do, because you wear so many hats. You could be ripping tickets to flipping hot dogs or being a mascot all on the same night or cleaning up fireworks after the game. Right. So it, it gives you a respect of it, but no, yeah, it definitely, it definitely taught me a lot um, in terms of just, grinding it out and, and doing everything possible, but I'm definitely happy. I'm, I'm where I'm at. I, I love minor league sports, but you know, being in the NFL, you only have to work 10 games a year, hopefully more if it, we make the playoffs, but uh, you know, I definitely have a lot of respect for everybody working in minor league. That is the truth. Less games in football. You know, you, you have to think about that, um, you know, working in minor league sports, 72 nights a a, a year which you do you work office and you have to stay for the whole game right you yep. can't leave partway through the game like you maybe could in MLB or NHL whatever NBA um, but you do need to get that experience to get yes. the opportunity to work in the NFL in whatever capacity so if you're going right towards that big job and you're not hearing back maybe scale back a little bit look to your minor league teams. You grew up in an area around the Reading, Pennsylvania, Allentown area where you had a ton of minor league teams around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had um, we had a ton there in Reading as well as Lehigh Valley. We had two up there as well. So, you know, that was, thankfully, I was able to meet a bunch of people at the Reading Phillies just from flipping burgers and stuff and was able to parlay that into bigger jobs and bigger jobs year after year, season after season. But again, I think ultimately it comes down to your connections and your relationships. And, you know, it's really about who you know in the sports industry. And that's why I always say build those connections, make them genuine as well. Don't just try to fake it because people can see through. I have people reach out to me all the time. I can see when it's sort of a, a fake touch point, I guess you would say, a relationship. And um, that's just the sales. Again, that's the sales part you can sort of tell when people are being disingenuous. So always be genuine about your intentions, um, be honest, and then continue to follow up. A lot of people don't follow up after their initial contact. And, and that's where sort of those relationships will continue to build is if you continuously follow up. I even have an Excel doc myself that I keep that whenever I reach out to mentors or former coworkers and stuff like that across the industry, I always update it know the time I talked to him, what we talked about, little one-noter on that, and then, you know, figure out the next touch point from there. 
That's a great tip right there, a spreadsheet to keep yourself in order. And then you could also go back and say, oh, well, I haven't talked to this mentor in a while. Let me shoot them an email, you know, give them a call, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. And I think I told this to a kid. He was actually he reached out to me. He was in high school. He was a high school senior, which blew my mind. He was way ahead of where I was at, you know, when I was his age. But he's actually been one person that keeps up with me all the time. And I'm like, Maybe one day, four years from now, when you graduate, I'll have a job for you somewhere. But that's just something you just need to grind it out. And if you're passionate about being in the industry, you need to find different ways to separate yourself. And building those connections genuinely will definitely do that. Smart kid, real smart kid, a high school kid, you know, planting seeds for four years down the road. Somebody, somebody taught him well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we mentioned you're from the Pennsylvania area. You moved for the Tiger Woods experience, you said, to Boston. Then you found yourself in Texas working for Legend at AT&T Stadium and then L.A. I'm not sure I if I missed anything in there, but a big part of working in sport, you know this, is making the move. How did you initially make your first move? You did. Let me preface it with this. You went to school at... You went to school at Kutztown University and you lived, you grew up probably about what, 10 minutes away? Uh, 15, 20, yeah. Okay, yeah, so close. close. So you were in kind of your hometown. So you decided to make some big moves. What was your mindset there? I just knew, because I was actually interviewing with a bunch of local teams in Philadelphia, in Reading, Lehigh, et cetera, just in that local space. And for me, I've always set my goals really high. Like I want to grow as fast as possible and just be the best and really show everybody up. And you sort of have to have that mindset. A lot of people, I think, especially in college that are looking to go into this field, they're like, I need to work for my favorite team. And like, that's the end all be all. Like, that's one of those things that I've realized I always had that aspiration as well, which it's awesome if you can. But I've also been told never to work for your favorite team because then you really get to see the insight the inside of that organization and it may sort of turn you off uh, to the brand uh, moving forward. So that's one thing I've always been taught, but you definitely need to move. If you just look at it, right? If, if you want to work in the NFL, there's 32 NFL teams, you, but you want to work for the Eagles. That's one of 32. Like you just cut off 99% of the potential teams that you could work for. And that's with every sport, right? MLB, NBA, NHL as well as minor league sports as well. So, um, you know, limiting yourself, I honestly think it's a really great growth opportunity, you know, moving away from home, really getting out on your own. Because I would say a lot of people that probably went to Kutztown just like myself were probably locals or within like an hour or two, maybe max, but really getting out of your comfort zone. And the coolest part about this whole thing is you can always move back. I think that's what everybody forgets. Like, just because you're moving doesn't mean like you can never go back, right? Like if it doesn't work out, but I was always also told to give it a year because the first six months are going to be horrible. Probably I'll tell you straight up when I was in Dallas, I didn't know anybody. I, that was like really the first time I moved away because when I moved to Boston, I, I had a bunch of roommates that we all were interns together. So we worked for the Tiger Woods Foundation. We were with together all day, every day. So it was fun. Um, but when I moved to Dallas, it was the first time I moved out on my own really had my own uh, one bedroom apartment, didn't really know anybody. I came in with two other people, but they all grew up in Dallas. So I was really the only outsider that didn't have any friends there. First six months were just tough. But then after that, you know, six months in, that's when you start meeting people. I met people 
went to a bunch of networking events, met people with the Texas Rangers, the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Stars, um, got more integrated in with the Cowboys and, you know, with legends as well and continue to build my network out there. And then I absolutely loved it. Um, and that's the same thing anywhere. But moving, I will say it's whenever I come home, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you moved. Like, how did you do it? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just got a job and I moved. Like, it, it, like it's that easy. And I always tell people, you can always go back. Don't pass up an opportunity because you don't think, you know, it's going to be the right fit. Obviously, everybody has different family issues or personal stuff that's going on. But, you know, if you're sort of good, take the leap. Take the leap. Believe in yourself. Go for it because you're not going to regret that you went for it at the end of the day. You're only going to be happy about it. And if you didn't go for it, you may regret that you didn't do it. So always trust in yourself and believe in yourself. And, and that's one thing I would say probably about the younger generation. They just don't believe in themselves enough. And that's why I would tell all your listeners is just believe in your abilities to do something special and go attack life and do it. I love that. Yourself, you as a person is the only thing you can control, right? Everything around you, you know, that's coming at you so many different ways, but you can control your work ethic. You can control making the decision such as a big move. You brought up so many good points that everybody that does take that big move, you have things going on like, oh, I'm going to miss my family. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss my dog, right? Like all of these things that could hold you back. But you said something very great there is you could always move back. Always. Yeah, you can always move back. You can always, you know, people think it's rocket science. You can always find a job. And that's where those connections come in, right? The, the more you continue to build your connections, whether it's at your home place or, you know, you go off and move and you try it out for a year. Like I said, always try everything for a year. You can always go back. Nothing's holding you back. Like you can pick up and move. No one's unless you sign some crazy contract, you know, you're good. You know what though, even if you want to move back, you at least have a year of experience, right? Yep. It shows that you, you made the risk. You took the chance to move somewhere else, which I look for that on a resume. Like where have people been? Um, are they willing to make those moves for their career? To me, that says a lot. Yeah. So you got that year of experience, which makes you more valuable to other organizations. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And experience will always trump everything. So, and to be honest, if you want to move back, it's very simple. All right. Like, why are you looking to come back? It just didn't work out. I wanted to be closer to family. And I think this is where I could thrive, right? Like it's a very simple answer. You don't have to go into details or anything like that, but yeah, it's pretty exciting um, to go and explore, right? Like I've been able to live in three really cool places. Each one has its own special place in my heart now and I love them all differently and met so many great great friends and colleagues and mentors along the way that I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Your story is cool like looking at the map like you've kind of hit three of the directional points you've got to do like north central now or something. (laughs) Yeah yeah I mean I love Chicago so who knows. Midwest there you go okay. (laughs) you uh, said a bunch of tips for young professionals in here, but what are some other things that you want to tell students or recent grads getting into sales um, about how to climb that sales ladder? We have a, we have a saying here. I really don't care where I'm at on the board. As long as my colleagues all know that I'm going to work harder than them and I'm going to try to outwork them. 
And, and that's the coolest thing is, you know, I would say don't stress about being top of the board. Just continue to uh, grind, continue to put in the effort. Again, consistency produces results. So do stuff the right way each and every day and you'll find the results. They may not immediately find you within a week or two weeks, a month, two months, but you know, we even had some times over here, you know, during this past summer, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, you know, I found, you know, low times for myself where, you know, I just wasn't finding success. And I continue to go back to my game plan, do stuff the right way, reach out the right way, be innovative. And being innovative is something that I would always strive to do. Um, and I would tell our, your listeners to do the same. Always try to create think in the mind of the buyer. How do you want to be sold, right? A lot of people nowadays, we're getting to the point where you don't want to talk, right? Like if I don't have your phone number saved in my phone, I'm probably not picking it up. Like you're going straight to voicemail. And if I listen to that voicemail, it's probably very seldom, right? So how do people, it's sort of the Twitter, Twitter S mentality, right? How do you keep something concise? Less than, I think it's 140 characters, right? So all my emails are less than a 140 characters. Same thing with my text messages. Text messaging will be the next wave of selling, I would say. That's where our team sees a lot of success. Outside of that, I mean, I would just continue to grind it out, um, learn from your peers, uh, learn from people that you're not even working with on the same team. What has your team found uh, success in, you know, during this time or, you know, doing XYZ, whether it's group outings or season ticket packages? But my biggest thing is that learning from other people, doesn't matter what industry, doesn't matter what they're selling. It's really more so getting in the, the mind of the consumer. I love that 100%. We talked a lot about a lot during this podcast. And as you know, working in sports is fun. It's a grind, but it's a lot of fun as well. What is maybe one of your most fun or best sport business related stories that you could share with our listeners um, that you just remember and will remember for the rest of your career? Wow, that's a loaded question. I've thankfully I've been able to be a part of a lot of cool stuff over the last, I would say the last five years of you know my career. I would say the coolest part was probably the Super Bowl. I was able to attend the Super Bowl whenever the Rams were in it. I was there, Rams Patriots in Atlanta. That was an unbelievable experience. Never would I have thought, you know, two teams make the Super Bowl every year. And the fact that, you know, being a part of Legends and being on this project, we were absolutely able to go. And I felt like a VIP. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to another Super Bowl unless I'm in that whole entire thing so team plane to team hotel to vip team experiences all day the day before and the day of and then you know the morning after the super bowl the after parties basically yeah i mean get to go to the super bowl for free and try in the craziest way ever but that was probably one of the coolest experiences that i've ever experienced i was able to i was actually in dallas this past weekend i was able to attend the cowboys monday night game against um Cardinals, as well as the NLCS game, the Dodgers Braves last week as well. So, you know, building those relationships is really cool. And that's why I tell people to strive for build your relationships, because I know if I ever need to, whatever city I am, I'm in, I have a mostly have a connection probably in every major city 
that if I want to go to a game or I want to do something, it's really cool. Um, so I always tell people to expand your network. You never know where it's going to take you. Um, and yeah, you'll experience some cool stuff in this industry for sure. I think too, it's important to note that you could call them, but those people you're calling and asking for favors, they know you could call, they could call you and yep. you would be right there for them. And that's the big kicker listeners is, Hey, if you're going to be out there asking, you need to be able to give in return. And that yep. is the most important part. Yep. Yeah. It's a two way street. It's a relationship, right? You know, you, you got to continue to build the relationship and there's a lot of psychology. I mean, that would be an entire, another podcast about psychology about building relationships but yeah it's a two-way street if it's a one-way street it's not going to be a good one and that's for sales or personally or professionally all right well this podcast wouldn't be complete without mentioning one person mike wasco which i may have already mentioned but i'll mention him one more time he is someone that calls you and refers to you as his mentor we at living sport call him the godfather because <laughs> He was literally one of the first couple kids from Kutztown, Connor included, that got Living Sport going. We went to Barcelona, Spain, and they were a part of really me jumping into it. Um, would you just quickly share Mike's story and how you helped him get into a Legends property that wasn't necessarily sports property and where he's at now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I was a part of Legends early 2016. I think Wasco... He's a junior at the time. I think he was working for a minor league team and he loved it. But I told him, I said, hey, man, like, yeah, I have this really cool opportunity. I know some people in New York. It's not sports. It's not hockey. It's not baseball. You can go work on this attraction. But I'm telling you, you do this for a year, year and a half. You'll be on a really cool project after that. Like, trust me, like we promote almost always internally for all of our projects. And the reason being is we like our culture. You come in from the ground up, you learn our culture, you learn how we as a company, you know, do business as well as, you know, that culture. And we want that culture to continue through other projects. And that's why we always promote internally is because so if you keep doing that, our company culture will always stay the same. You don't have to worry about outside cancers or, you know, someone who may not have as much experience or trying to bring in their own regime. So we promote a lot internally and I told him that and he was sort of on board and I believe he went to One World Observatory for about a year, a little over a year I want to say and then had the opportunity to go out to our new project out in Utah State. He was on the ground floor. He was able to help I believe build out pricing and some other stuff so really get to that top level management type of stuff and I wouldn't be surprised you know if he's running his own project in the next year or so. So even before me. So um I, you know, I love seeing him succeed. We keep in touch very often, but yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic that I was able to play a small part in growing his career. And, you know, my next phase is I love selling, but I also want to manage and I want to see other people's careers continue to grow because it's just cool. You know, you see someone come out of college fresh and able to get into a position. And then five years later, they're, you know, a manager of sales team somewhere. So it's really cool. But yeah, I was glad I was able to get him in Legends just because we have so many different opportunities. And again, it comes back to if you're willing to move, your career can go really fast. You can grow your career fast. It really just comes down to whether you want to move or not. And I always encourage it. You can always go back. You can always settle down. You can always do that on the back end. That's a great story right there about how important mentors are in your career. 
right, to guide you and, and give you some of that insights that uh, Mike needed to hear, right? Hey, get involved in this company. It will take you places. And like you said, it, it really has. Yeah. And the last thing I would touch on in that is people reach out to me all the time. And Mike Wasco is definitely one of those people I would put my name on for because it was really like one of the first people I ever recommended. And like, if that person didn't show up or whatever, it went bad, it looks, it's a bad reflection on me. Right. So building those genuine connections and stuff like that, I was like, I know Wasco is not going to let me down. I'll back him every day. So, and he's done amazing things. How could listeners get involved in Legends? You said so much great stuff. Do you guys have a website? Yeah, we have a website. Uh, we're always constantly updating it. Uh, it's legends.net. You can go on there. There's a careers tab there. You can filter it out. Like if you want to move to a specific area, you can filter it out by city. Sort of check out what we have across the country and the world, really. Uh, we're an international company. So we have some projects over in like Europe and stuff like that. So you know, we're everywhere. And again, if you want to grow your career fast, jump on board and trust me, you'll definitely enjoy your time. Amazing. You guys also did a sales course over this quarantine as well. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. So uh, we had a sales academy, right? You know, we're trying to find our next, you know, hires and stuff like that. And we really, you know, go putting everybody through the sales course, we got to work one-on-one -on -one with hundreds of people. Um, throughout the country and and they really got to learn our way of selling how we sell the training process they would go on through onboarding obviously shortened down with this but it also gave us some good eyes all right like who do we like out of each group who do we who could be a candidate for that next project and that was really the biggest part for us is we can sort of find and pinpoint people that we want to bring on that really got what we were trying to do but it's a really cool way for our company to differentiate ourselves in the sports entertainment area. And then there's actually been multiple teams and multiple different projects and properties that have sort of copied ours at this point and they're creating their own sales academy because they realize, all right, we may not be hiring now, but if we can get 15 people that we like in the pipeline, then whenever we can hire or whenever we start expanding, we can just call those people up and offer them a job. We know that they're going to do well. Amazing opportunity. Do you have another one set for the future? I believe, I believe it's going to be a yearly experience. The course went six weeks and it was pretty much two to three hours a day. So it's like a college class essentially. So it was actually perfect timing. Obviously our industry got sort of decimated, you know, with the pandemic. So we had a lot of people, some that were furloughed, some that, you know, got cut, even some some that were still working, but just wanted to be a part of it because they were working from home. They had like the flexibility to be a part of it. I mean, we would bring on our top executives for each thing. Uh, we'd bring in people from local projects like SoFi or Utah State or Vegas and stuff like that to talk based on what we're you know learning that day. But it's been great. It was a really good experience. And I believe we are planning to do that on a yearly basis moving forward. So listeners, check that out. What do you refer to it as? An academy? Legends Global Sales Academy. I believe so, yeah. Okay, Google that, guys. Get involved. You heard it right from Mike here. It's really important. That's how they recruit their next generation of sales executives. Mike, it's really been fun this past hour talking with you, hearing about what you have going on, and just seeing all the success you had in the sport industry. So congratulations to you. And thank you so much for coming on the Living Sport podcast and sharing your knowledge with our listeners.
Of course. No, thank you guys for having me. Um, if anybody needs to get in contact with me, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just Michael Lyman. Um, and yeah, more than happy to help anybody if they have questions or, or want advice on, you know, what their career is or where they should go or, or how they should even start, feel free to reach out and I'll be more than happy to jump on a call or a Zoom or whatever. Okay, when fans are allowed back in your stadium, Connor and I are coming out for a tour. That works. That works. We'll get you guys taken care of. All right, Mike. We'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. My name is Mike Lyman, and I am Living Sport. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. If you're interested to learn more, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.